0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, handguns are at the center of new gun control legislation tabled by the
1: federal government. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada.
0: Former Supreme Court Justice Louise Arbour issues a report calling Canada's military a broken system.
1: Two things could derail the path to significant change. The first would be to assume that this is only attributable to a culture of misogyny and that change will come naturally with time and just more enlightened attitudes. The second would be for the calf to think that he can fix its broken, its broken system alone.
0: And a pollster says Pierre Poiliev could be vulnerable, as support for him appears to soften.
1: This whole idea that people are in there and have signed up with Poilievre and may change their minds, or that we don't know the extent of people who are signed up with the other two, I think is a fascinating part of this race this week.
0: It's Tuesday, May 31st. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. Joining us is Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Good morning, Susan.
1: Good morning, Mark.
0: So we have some new legislation from the federal government to control guns in Canada. And at the center of this legislation, clearly, are handguns. And uh, I know this is the kind of legislation the government might have been working on already. But given the recent events in Texas, I find the timing interesting. And I think there's more than just uh, gun control at the heart of this. There's also politics, isn't there?
1: Oh, very definitely, yes. First of all, their own politics. They had to catch up to where they've been on this. The Prime Minister yesterday gave a really interesting answer about the evolution of this, which I think we're going to be talking about probably in days to come. I was watching for what they were going to do on handguns, even though handguns weren't part of the disasters that we've seen in the United States. The handgun ban has been an interesting case. The The federal government started by saying municipalities would be free to ban handguns. Then it said, uh, then the Prime Minister gave this part, saying, well, the municipalities told us they couldn't do that without the provinces, and the provinces were some of them he didn't name them were being obstinate and he also didn't use that word so he said this is their answer to this so very definitely without saying they backtracked they backtracked on this idea of a handgun ban for municipalities which i always thought was a bit of a cop-out anyway frankly uh so they have gone now to a freeze on handguns and we're, there's gonna to be tons and tons of discussion over the next few days about how is a ban and a freeze different? And what exactly is the law on this now? And more to the point, practically speaking, how's it gonna change anything? You know that handgun crimes are the ones that we have to worry about. And we, um, I'm still not entirely clear on, how this changes things i think it will but i'm not sure about the difference between a freeze and a ban
0: right and and what about the politics of this susan uh because obviously it's a it's a it's a wedge issue and it's it's you know we've got a conservative leadership race going on which we can talk about more in a moment but there's it's it's drawing out uh other people you know it's forcing other people to take sides right
1: uh, there was no question, and again, it was in the Prime Minister's remarks, he did a big discussion of freedom and that people should be free to go about their lives without being worried about guns. And that, um, and if you didn't hear the message to Pierre Polyev in that, who basically tweets all day about freedom, the Prime Minister, that was a direct shot, pardon the pun, at Pierre Polyev and the idea of freedom and gun bans. It's they, they definitely are. I don't believe that, that they just did this because of what has happened to the United States. There is so much in this that it couldn't have just been launched this week because of what happened there. But I do think that, uh, they are, they are inviting Canadians to contrast the liberals on gun policy and the conservatives on gun policy, given what's been going on in the United States. Yeah. And the, 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 the little speech that the prime minister gave about freedom and freedom from gun violence was a very, very indicative of what's been going on there in their heads.
0: All right, let's turn to the state of the Canadian military and Louise Arbour was asked to provide a report on Canada's military and she called it a broken system. And this is obviously a damning report. Uh, I I don't think there's anything in there that will surprise Canadians after all the stories they have heard about what's been happening in the senior ranks of the military, all of the allegations, all of the uh, uh, misbehavior. Uh, So... It isn't a surprise, but I think it is still uh, a, a pretty substantial report that that creates a lot of questions about the future.
1: Yeah, four hundred pages, and you know, there's a theme to yesterday's news conferences: is what's taken so long? Why do we keep having these discussions? And the uh, the same questions were being asked at the press conference yesterday on gun control, as we're being asked of, of Judge Arbour and Danita Nand, is why does this take so long? I, I think she, the, the one thing, that maybe the two things that I think leap out is that justice is going to be taken out of the hands of the military. The Defence Minister has been signalling that has been coming so that that the military is not going to be judge and jury for itself anymore. That's, uh, that does seem to be a break. And also I thought uh, we're gonna again, hear more about this. I think there'll be more to tease out in this, in what our, our Louise Arbor was saying about uh, the military schools and the fact that the culture may start young at these military colleges in Canada. And I think she's gonna be asking more questions about that and so we'll be the educational institute. So uh, that that part leaked out at me too was this that seemed a little bit new to me.
0: Yeah. And I guess you mentioned Anita Anand there there was a there was hope and optimism. She's Canada's first female defense minister and I think there was a lot of, of hope. She she also has a really good reputation as being a fixer uh, within the cabinet. There's a lot of hope that that she can make a difference in this area, is it is it kind of over to her now? Is it in her hands?
1: It, that was interesting at the press conference yesterday because to that question, why now? Why has it taken so long? Why is this, you know, this isn't even Louise Arvora's first report, right? That, so why is this taken so long? And her answer to that, uh, Anita and Anne was, because I say so. And because I say it's going to happen. Because it's me who's here. And that was interesting. A uh, high wire act if she doesn't do it. But she very definitely was making the point that you're just making the question is, you were expected to be a fixer, so fix it. And she appears to have got that memo.
0: Yeah. All right. Finally, let's talk about the conservative leadership race. And uh, there have been points in this, we're a long way from September, by the way, but there have been points in this race where it appeared as though Pierre Poiliev was the runaway favorite. And I know that his opponents would dispute that, but many observers thought it was his to lose and that and that he was headed towards a first ballot win. Now there are people saying perhaps he's vulnerable. There are indications that he may not get that first val- ballot win, and speculation that if he doesn't get the first ballot win, that support will coalesce around another candidate, perhaps Jean Chadet, on the second ballot. Um, and I'm describing this in old-fashioned terms, first ballot, second ballot. Of course, it's a ranked ballot, so it's, right. it's yeah. preordained what, what happens on subsequent ballots if nobody gets more than 50% on the first count. But what do you think about all of that? Is that wishful thinking on the part of Pierre poliev's opponents, or is there something at play here?
1: Well, I think three things are going on here. One is the polling. I think it was by Abacus showing that the more people saw of Polyev, the less they liked him. That his negatives were up and his positives were down. And that says that maybe the strategy he was employing in the first part, which is sort of the say anything, do anything, be anything... Was making a few people nervous. I also saw that this really interesting story in the National Post where they actually interviewed people and who said, Yeah, I joined with Polly at first, but now I'm getting a bit nervous about him. And I don't know whether, you know, that's a classic anecdotal example, but is that appearing out there overall? The third part I thought was the, the interesting chemistry at the debate last week in the French language, which was you saw. Patrick Brown and Jean Charest ganging up on Pagliau, definitely working, looking like they're working together, even though they deny it, and Pierre Pagliau moderating his tone. And that told me these guys are seeing numbers or something out there that is changing the dynamics of this race. This week is the deadline for memberships. So whoever has signed up by the end of this week, that's who they're stuck with. But this whole idea that people are in there and have signed up with Poly Evan may change their minds or that we don't know the extent of people who are signed up with the other two, I think is a fascinating part of this race this week.
0: Yeah. and And we're almost at the point where nobody will be able to become a member and vote. And so then it becomes a question of getting the vote out and convincing the people who have memberships to vote for you, regardless of who signed you up. Right.
1: Yeah, and another part of that, though, is this is what I'm curious to see over the summer, is how does the Conservative Party have a a, a leadership contest in which they only talk to the members, and these are now people who they've signed up, and also to the larger Canadian population, and that is knowing your audience in this Conservative leadership race has proven to be a bit of a challenge, because they do seem to be two separate audiences, so I'm going to be really interested to see they. By the end of this week, they can't lure in any new voters or non-conservative voters. So, how do they have a conversation that is talking to both of those simultaneously? It's going to be that's an art, and I don't know that any of them have mastered it.
0: Yeah. All right. Very interesting, Susan. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. The report is extensive, with 48 substantive recommendations addressing a wide array of issues. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, Sabrina Maddow argues feminism is nothing more than a convenient wedge issue for the Prime Minister. Maddow writes... Louise Arbour's long-awaited report on sexual misconduct in the Canadian military is as thorough, serious, and wide-reaching as anyone could have hoped for. If she had the power to implement her recommendations, I'd be willing to bet on the side of real change. Unfortunately, that power now rests ultimately with the Prime Minister's office. The PMO's track record on the military's sexual misconduct file is troubling, to say the least. Feminism is convenient to Justin Trudeau's Liberals as a wedge issue, but his administration falls consistently short when it comes to backing up its big talk with action. In the Toronto Star, Alexander Hackett argues, François Legault has crossed a symbolic line. Hackett writes... French culture in Canada is in no danger of suffering the same fate as Louisiana and disappearing, as the Quebec premier told his supporters at a party convention last weekend. And by saying that Quebec would disappear if he doesn't gain full control over its immigration powers, François Legault has officially crossed over to the dark side of political populism and dangerous Trump-style rhetoric. This kind of alarmist talk will embolden and empower every prejudiced, ignoramus, and replacement theorist into thinking there is an enemy at the gates. In the Ottawa Citizen, Stephanie Scott argues that one year after Indigenous children's remains were located at Kamloops, the search for truth continues. Scott writes... Last June, the federal government responded to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's calls to action by adopting legislation to implement the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Yet despite the steps forward in the last 12 months, we know that we still have a long way to go. Far too many of the TRC's calls to action remain unanswered. It is not only governments that need to act. The TRC called for action at all levels of society. This includes schools, universities and other public institutions, broadcasters, the corporate sector, professional societies, and many others. We all have work to do. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will attend the National Prayer Breakfast of Canada. He will also chair the Cabinet meeting and attend question period. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will attend the Cabinet meeting and question period. She will also appear at the Standing Senate Committee on National Finance. And Environment Minister Stephen Guilbeault will deliver opening remarks at the Ministerial on Climate Action. He will also hold a media callback to conclude his participation in various environment meetings in Europe. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, May 31st. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC. For coverage of all the day's events, our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.